to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. The Power of Water and Water Life Science Research. When you listen to this show, your mental thinking is going to only be fascinated with what we do in study and research and the study of water on the planet and what we do with that water on the planet and how we live with it as all life and species. And what we teach for the last 12 years, the fascination is that you are the type of person listening, and if you've listened to more than one of our shows, more about thinking about why water is so vital and how powerful it is to our everyday life. And then reminding us every day, and we have to be reminded, all of us, even myself after studying for over 30 years, water, evaporation of water, the atmosphere, Earth's beginning, and living with the universe with that rhythm that it lives. Why is it Earth has the water? What's, what's, what's this uniqueness? What did this with uniqueness of that? What, what triggered the Earth to have what it has for life? It's only the water that did it. It's, it is. It's the beginning of all beginning of your breathing of all breath of life. And always remember your breath of life, Earth's breath of life. Living with the universe is what makes out there that rhythm of life. Watch it. It's fascinating when you start studying it that way. I'm going to take you on a little hike here. The Earth had that blue ribbon around it. I'll call it blue ribbon, not a blue And that ribbon around the earth way back by millions and millions of years had droplets in it, though, moisture, but it hadn't dropped yet. All of a sudden, something happened living with the universe, triggered something, and the drop of water came out of part of that ribbon, that ribbon to rhythm, and it came down. And time passed. Slowly and surely with time. Definite. Life. Because water is life. Every drop of water is life. When you take your arms and you move away from your body and you very easily rhythm, the air with your hand, very comfortably and easily with your hand away from your body. You can feel it if you're willing to listen. If you're not willing to listen, you're in trouble. And the reason why, that's the breath. That's life. That's rhythm. What happened here for people to forget that, even in science, is fascinating to me so far back. When I was studying, when I go to study, I'll share a little secret with you. When I go to study, I wonder, why is it that I'm noticing something? 
that is fascinating to me and I'm learning something that might be fascinating to me, why didn't somebody else learn that? More people learn that than I. So I go out and look for those people who all knows about that. And you go out and you study who all knows about that, that you're trying to learn. Where did that come from? Why did I pick it up? Why am I fascinated in thinking that way? Why did I notice that in the water, in the rhythm, evaporation of water, and the life of our breath of living with this universe, with rhythm? Why did I learn that? Why is it that another clue your founders of Facebook, Google, Yahoo, Bing. We could go on. Apple, Microsoft, all these individuals out there all over the world. Why is it they saw something in the energy, in the rhythm? They couldn't have done it if they didn't feel something personally in that relationship with rhythm. It's been going on from the beginning of time. At the beginning of time, they knew, I have no question. I've studied this upside and down the other. Something was magic beyond us to live with. How to survive how to be healthier, how to mentally be healthier, how to achieve, how to, to go out and, and enjoy the life of the planet, but reminding yourself there's something more powerful to live with on this planet than just us. It's exciting. I bring this up all the time. <laughs> um, No, I've never had Tom Brady on the show. Maybe we should. But I studied one time, a long time ago now, how Tom Brady does it with rhythm. I even studied Chip Kelly, believe it or not, who was the head football coach at the University of Oregon when he had the football team up there. Did you ever notice any of you? that University of Oregon had an unbelievable football team as long as Chip Kelly was there. It was fascinating. He got even an Eisman winner that year, one of the years before he left. But I noticed that the relationship between his style, Tom Brady's style, was similar. And the reason I chose to find that interesting to study is because they did something differently with rhythm. The rhythm of how they went about what they did. So between that rhythm of living with the life on the planet and the way they went about that discipline, that focus, that feel, and trust me, it's discipline. Because if you don't learn how to want to feel it, you don't feel that rhythm and you're living in self. 
And that's what I learned way back in time, over 30 years ago, studying water. It's when we're studying the water and the behavior of it and what it did for this planet, the Earth. We don't want to get, we don't want to leave, we want to learn. It's more powerful than you can imagine in, in what we need to do every day for our health reasons. We need to find those cures, not just symptoms. Remissions. We need to go out and preserve this planet for the word eternity. I had a scientist one time on say, oh, Sharon, I don't know if that's going to be possible for eternity. I think it is. I think it's possible. I don't think it's just possible. I know it can be done. But we got to remind ourselves, all of us even that are well knowledgeable enough, that we need to practice how to save this planet. It has to be an everyday habit for everybody to think that way. And that's what this show is all about. Before we bring on our sponsor, I'm, uh, we're going to have today a very special guest on from Oregon State University, which is right here in my own state. I'm a born Oregonian. I live in Grants Pass, Oregon, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. But we're going to be talking to Dr. Michael Campana about all of this and what he's been studying for so long as a hydrologist and what they've been learning. And then I want to try to see if I can get him into the study with me on what's going on out there and what we can do with the rest of this planet. But now we're going to listen to our sponsor. As many of you know, I had been brought in many years ago to study the organ of the eye because I had been studying the organ of the skin. And we have a product, Nature's Mist Face of the Water. It sounds like I'm in the product business, but I am in a way. But I'm more, my three, three quarters of my time is in research and evaporation of the human body, living with the evaporation of the atmosphere, what's happening with those symptoms. And I had been learning a lot about the skin. And I took that knowledge and that technology to the high-end cosmetic industry and had a product, Nature's Mist Face of the Water, to show them. I was very serious. We talked technology. I didn't talk glamour. I didn't talk beauty. We talked health. They loved it. But then when there was a documentary about me on public broadcasting TV, they saw that I was talking about evaporation. Could I talk a study evaporation of the eye? And they came to me and said, could I do that? And I said, give me a year. Because dry eye, they said, is out of control. It's becoming an epidemic to blindness. Because people were not educated about what to do with it. And eye drops are heavy. They trap the moisture, but they don't. Over-evaporation happens as the eye gets dry again. And it can cause a trauma to the eye with the weight of the eye drop. If I could find a way for them to be able to apply a supplement to support that, the whole United States came together to help me at the time. So I would do it. and We did it. It's called Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist of 100% water because at the surface of your eye is 99% water 
in the tear film's delicate nature. It evaporates from the beginning of birth. The nature of your eye needs to float, as doctors all over the world have taught you on the show. And as that water is on there to float, the eye, if it gets too dry, it gets, let's say, a little sticky. And then all of a sudden you have to wear, you might get allergies first or mental problems or anxiety, or then you have to start wearing glasses and more things come. And eventually some people with certain individualities go blind. And it's out of control worldwide. Nature's Tears I missed is to supplement that. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Dr. Michael Campana. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Campana, are you with us? Yes, I am, Sharon, and um, it's great to be on again. And uh, please uh, call me Michael. Yeah. Michael, but you know, I kind of like our international audience to be reminded (laughs) who you are and what you do, and that's why I think the courtesy of, of what you've earned. But I want the audience <laughs> to know that Dr. Michael Campana is Professor of Hydrology and Water Resource Management at Oregon State University in the gorgeous state of Oregon and Technical Director of the American Water Resources Association and much more. Dr. Michael. <laughs> Thank you. Would you Thank tell, you. yeah. <laughs> Tell our audience a little bit about where you came from. Did you grow up in Oregon? Were you planted in Oregon later? Uh, why did you decide to get into water? Tell our well, audience internationally. Okay. <clears throat> Actually, let's see. I, I realize you only have about 50, 40 minutes left, so I'll keep it short. <laughs> um, no, I, I, even though I'm 
I've been living in the Western United States since about 1970. I, I plead guilty to growing up in New York, um, actually born in New York City on Manhattan oh. and grew, grew up oh. on Long Island, which was the, you know, oh. the suburbs. And um, yeah. I went to college uh, in Virginia at the College of William and Mary, graduated in uh-huh. 1970. My gosh, that sounds like the Stone Ages. Um, and then... Um, <laughs> But I, but I always was intrigued with the Western United States. I'd, I'd never visited mm-hmm. it until mm-hmm. I graduated from college. And so I went to graduate mm-hmm. school at the University of Arizona in Tucson, which um, at the time, and I should proudly say still is, probably the foremost water university, um, if not in the United States, maybe even the world, but uh, studied hydrology there, the science of fresh water. And... Um, after that, I loved the, the uh, Tucson area, but um, I looked northward. I got a job at a place called the Desert Research Institute in Reno, which was at the time, um, well, it still is part of the um, Nevada system of higher education. I was there for 13 years. I went south again to New Mexico, University of New Mexico in Albuquerque for 17 years, and then about uh, 14 years ago, um, I wanted to, um, um, I know you're a big fan of hydration, and I wanted to get hydrated, so I came to Western Oregon, which, as you know, just up the road from where you're from, um, is a lot wetter than places like Reno, Albuquerque, and Tucson. We get uh, about a little over 40 inches of precipitation a year, so I've been in Oregon State since... Um, 2006. I enjoy it very much, and I'll probably uh, finish things out up here, although I don't expect to do that for quite a while yet. So yeah, that's where I've been. And I, I wanted, you asked about how I got into studying water, and when I was an undergraduate, I majored in geology, and at the time, and this was in the late 60s, you know, there were two avenues open for most geologists. You work for the government or you work for an oil company. Um, and um, one of my professors said, well, you know, there's this new field called hydrology, and I would think a geologist could be very useful there, so here's some schools you might look at. And so in those days, we had no Internet. I looked at some college catalogs, some printed literature, and I decided, yeah, I think I want to do this. And so um, that was, um, except for for marrying my wife, uh, that was the best decision I ever made was to get into water. Mm-hmm. And it's been a growth industry. Um, sometimes it's not, that's not necessarily good because it means we've got lots of water problems, but uh, I've enjoyed it and I really don't want to slow down. So that's it in a nutshell. So, You know, when you said, first of all, before I go on, I'm going to say something there about Oregon State. Uh, my mother went to Oregon State, but I also had a, a very famous uncle who was a famous river guide, Bob Pritchett, um, who uh, went to Oregon State from Grants Pass, and he, he's going to go to, he was playing football and baseball, but he wow. loved baseball. And he ended up being drafted for the pros and injured his knee, and he came home and went to work for a well-known fishing guide at the time in um, Glen Woolridge. And then he went back thinking the knee was healing. And, of course, they didn't have 
the technology they have today, and then they said, Bob, I'm sorry, but you can't play pros. He got so upset, so he decided oh. to come back to Grants Pass, and he went to being a fishing guide. Hmm. Well, then wow. he bought Glenn Woolridge out in the, like a 1940-something and painted all of his boats. He had seven boats, I think it was, that took these famous people down the Rogue River from Grand oh. Pass to the ocean fishing in orange and black. <laughs> yes. yes the and colors. if you go on and read the story about him on the on the internet and the dory boats, you'll see there where they try to say and Glenn Wolvery says, You can't do that. That's not the nature of our river is is or, or colors of orange and black and your your that Bob owned the business. He went ahead until he retired way, he had forever those boats, kings and queens and presidents and all the fame. Oh, he my gosh. He was very modest about who he took down, how, who he was taking down. And, uh, and Clark Gable and Ginger Rogers just adored him. I could go on and on and on. Oh, my gosh. Boy, I know. That's... But orange oh. and black boats. <laughs> yeah, I know the Halloween From colors. Oregon State, <laughs> but that, I knew you'd that's enjoy a, that. No, I would. That, that's that's a great story. Well, you know the baseball legacy. The baseball legacy lives on since we have a great uh, college baseball team. So, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, back to the your wanting to choose water, and then you mentioned something else, Doctor. Um, well, it's it's uh, it's it's starting to dry, it's starting to get busier and busier because of the crisis. Probably is what it meant. But why is it in our life and our thinking, all of us, all human life, we wait until it gets to be a crisis <laughs> until we um, do something about something? Well, <laughs> the um, um, the the Dutch. Um, who I admire greatly when it comes to water, They're, they apparently have a saying that uh, there's no policy without a calamity. And um, <laughs> I, I think you, you and I know that's pretty much true, doctor, whether we're talking about water doctor, or water. I'm married to a man from Holland. <laughs> okay. Then you, oh, I that's mean, right. He moved here in 1958, and we just had our 56th wedding anniversary oh, Saturday. Me all congratulations. American, he all Dutch. When I started this technology, and I'm into the technology of studying water, the technology, and the business of technology of it all, and all that. But anyway, uh, to take this message out to the world about what's happening to the human body's effects by this crisis, Bill, with you're, you're right about the Dutch and the audience. I want you to know, all over the world, and you and there in Holland, that in the Netherlands. When I started this out, doctor, and I started doing it, my husband's instincts on the water side of it, on the bottling of it, and what to do on all that end of it, was natural instincts. That's just unbelievable. I, he was brilliant. We're approved by the FDA and the regulators throughout the United States and now coming into the world to be the first unmanufactured water to be in the medical field, in other fields. 
wow. because of the way he handles that other end. My technology got us there, but the way it's handled with the perfection and the way it is to be the perfection of the regulations and to be perfect for the end user called our patients, our customers all over the world. His Dutch side, you're right. Yeah. Uh, it's just something I, I, I just marvel. And their yeah. energy, <laughs> do they ever wear out? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But, but back to now what we're talking about today on What's going on out there? You've studied it out there. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, I was asked to join. I'm not going to get into which organization back east in the water studies for the, for the rest of the planet. But I could see they and I would not get along. And I pulled out of my nomination because hmm. I see the crisis. I don't know what they see. And the lack of education, doctor, is mind-boggling. It's, it's, it's sad. People don't want to hear the story, what's going on there. Well, it's, it, you know, I, there are enough, you, we, could, we could make ourselves sick with, with pessimism, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, you hit me on a good day, it's Monday, okay, so I'm optimistic <laughs> on Mondays. Okay, oh, because <laughs> I've, I've got the rest of the week. Uh, now, if, you, if we were doing this on Friday, I might be a little less optimistic because after a week of conference calls and other things, you say, oh, my gosh, isn't anything going right? But I, I'm actually... Um, you're being I'm very gonna, polite, polite saying pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, a friend of mine who's a lot smarter than I am, you, you talk about water and what we're doing to it. And he said something very, I thought was very perceptive because we're about the same age. We got out of school about the same time. And he said, you know, when we were in school, Mike, he said, we were taught, you took a class in engineering hydrology. The objective was to figure out how much water you can take out of the river for, you know, people. But he said, today it's different. Today, the engineering hydrology classes or beginning hydrology classes tend to teach how much water must we keep in the river to maintain the ecosystem as well as to satisfy human needs. And I think, um, I think that's very perceptive on, on his part. And I hadn't thought of it in, in those terms. Can I share something there? Because I, I sure. have a tendency to interrupt as we go. That's you just a, that's said okay. something. And I, you know, I... That's where I came to some real evaluations and conclusions after 30 years of study. What is happening there to keep a certain amount of level of the river's freshwater up higher? Not let it all drain down into the aquifers, uh, but keep it higher. Keep it cooler. Keep it moving with healthy, as a species has to move. Yeah. And then allow that to reach out to the temperatures with the atmosphere and the temperatures of that height of fresh water reaching out as it did at the beginning of time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, think, I think we are learning, and I, I, see, um, I see more and more people who, say, aren't trained in the profession 
but who are intelligent and who are concerned, and they're doing their darndest to to make sure they conserve water. They don't use any more than they need. They're, they're concerned about the fish and frogs and the other critters that rely on water and realize that that uh, they have a stake in this too, and someone needs to needs to speak for them. So um, I'm, I'm optimistic, and I, I see some very bright people who are working to make the world a better place vis-a-vis water, and actually water has a great effect on, on, on people and how they feel. And you can imagine living in a place where you have to spend four or five or six hours a day trying to find clean water. Um, that's going to have a really deleterious effect on you and your children, et cetera. And I see more people being concerned about that. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm mildly, I should say mildly optimistic. I'm not a Pollyanna, but, um, I see some of the students, one of the reasons I'm still in this game of, of, of teaching is I see so many bright students coming through the system, and they're concerned in a way that, that I don't think was the case when I was a student. They're concerned about their fellow human beings, um, the, the life that those people are living, and how can we help to make, the, make it better, et cetera. So... Um, I'm, as I said, I'm mildly, mildly optimistic. We've got some big challenges ahead of us. We're, we have to deal with, um, with, with climate change, which is going to have some serious or is already having some serious effects vis-a-vis uh, water and uh, people. So, um, but I'm just hoping we can, we can all pull together because it's going to take a big effort. And, um, we can um, well, focus. we're going to come back. We're going to take our only break, if you remember. Okay. <clears throat> and then we're going to come back. And you said something that has been the magic for me personally and what I, why I think take it so serious is the children of the future. Yeah. Children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back and we'll discuss what your students are thinking and what their knowledge is about and what Great. they're wanting to assist We'll be right back. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist for Dry Eye. It's the only supplement worldwide to be able to supplement the eyes with just a mist. The surface of the eye is 99% water, and that surface evaporates from birth of water, and that's what causes vision impairment to potential. Some people go blind, and I've been told, watch it and study it, Dry eye is an epidemic because our atmosphere has changed and our bodies have changed, living with that evaporation of our whole body evaporating with water, living with the atmosphere's evaporation of water, too. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Michael Campana. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Audience, today we have Dr. Michael Campana, who's Professor of Hydrology and Water Resource Management at the Oregon State University in the state of Oregon. Doctor, when we took our moment there, a break, uh, we were talking about how different individuals have their own outlook on what they want for themselves. Yeah. Out there. I've been watching that. I've been watching that. And in research, we try to be fair, all of us. I truly believe all of us do in research and technology. And you wonder why we're going a direction. And I say direction because never ever anything is so definite ever. You've right. got to take a hike with it because it's it's a living organism of life, all of us on this planet. Water is a living organism that made everything possible. When I've been a guest speaker to large groups, Wall Street, for technology, New York Men's Athletic Club technology, and I could go on and on what I've done through the years in national television and more, associated press and more. When you talk technology and water and you bring up what is happening to the human body, because the body is also water. And why aren't they finding cures? Why are they not, everything has to be a remission. Well, everybody has their outlook and their thinking. But why aren't we finding cures to solve it? Oh, people out there all have all these different backgrounds and research going on. And it's become very complex. Then you take that body water that's living with the planet Earth that depends on the, the life of that organism of water in the atmosphere and those, that soil is a species. If you cut off the water to that soil, you and I both know hmm. it becomes sand. And what happens underneath that soil 
are a lot of aquifers hidden all over this planet. Mm-hmm. My concern is all of these ideas that people have not coming together, thinking about the human organism of water, living with that evaporation from birth. And that's what taught me that was when I was studying the human skin. And a lot of people, doctor, thought, oh, gosh, she wants to be in the glamour world. No, everybody <laughs> knew by listening to me when I went out and did those personal appearances on those high-end marble floors. I talked just like I'm talking to you. And they loved it. The cosmetic companies loved it. Then when I went over to the drugstore field and put the first 100% water in front of the pharmacist, not over in the herbal department, but over (laughs) there, people were fascinated. How did she do that? But, doctor, we talked technology human body water living with the atmospheric water, with the planet Earth's water. I take that so serious. So all these ideas and all this thinking with our students coming up, our children, we need better education because when I go to speak, why is it a pin will fall? As if they've never heard that before, connecting it all. We bring on here uh, a lot, somebody. Do do you know Jerry Pollack, Dr. Pollack at the University of Washington? Pollack. It's sort of ringing a bell, but but, um, not, I don't know him personally. I've got to get you two together. Dr. Pollack at the University of Washington studies body water for 14 years. He has a research there, body water research. But he also is like I am. He's big on the water on the planet. And the crisis, he travels the world in certain committees with that. But he found a fourth water in the body. Hmm. And I said to Dr. Pollock, I said, Terry, I said, I was talking to somebody in Switzerland at the CERN group about their fourth matter in the atmosphere because I noticed that if they found the fourth matter in the atmosphere, is that what's holding back? the moisture level of the atmosphere to assist us to live on this planet so we're not Mary Poppins. And they said, yes, they found that out Hmm. to live with the rest of the solar system. Now, Dr. Pollock, with the fourth water in the body, that water is a different, it's a water, but it's a little different. And it's a little heavier. Well, would that be Dr. Pollock that maybe helps us slow down the evaporation? What do we need to learn more about that water to assist those symptoms to be able to detect them faster, maybe? See where I'm coming from, doctor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of us should be together on this. Yeah. The students I'm, I'm actually, should be taught, yeah. excuse me, the students all the way down to the mother going home with that baby should have an education class. And I know how people don't like to listen much today. <laughs> they just want to read, right? Um, I'm not sure they want to read but uh, as much. Yeah, but right. They don't yes, want to I, I, can, right I get too. you. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, but the thing is, you've got a captive audience. 
before they take their baby home and get them thinking about that baby and drinking water and how to think about it, how to think about it. Nobody's saying this is, you know, think about it. And go home and get that baby educated. And then when the baby goes to the doctor, we need to get those doctors educated. Think about it. Think about it. When you went to your doctor the last time, did he bring up a glass of water? Did I? Did I? And did you, did, yeah. Did, did you he say tell that, you? Uh, did he ask you how much water you're drinking? No. 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 Right. And what they're finding out at Mayo Clinic and around the world with Ebola and more, if you're not drinking enough water, your symptoms are not going to improve. They're going to get worse. What do we think that is going on with our planet Earth? It's alive. It's an organism. What is climate change? We don't have enough fresh water on the surface of, the, of the, those fresh water tributaries. We don't have enough fresh water up in the air. It's changing the temperature. If you watch the temperature of, up there at Corvallis, mm-hmm. and then you go into the humidity that day and see what's happening around the atmosphere with that climate and that temperature... What is happening with the solar windmills? What's happening with the solar panels? The pole, which, which states have a lot of that? And wetlands, too. Mm-hmm. What's happening yeah. with that? But back to you. Um, with what you're trying to do with your students and your studies, um, you're going, there's a water security and new technology strategy of uh, policies and more going on with institutions. I'm going to let you take over the rest of this and teach <laughs> us, teach us what I was just teaching the audience, how to think about what might be. Well, that, yeah, that's actually what, what I wanted to say was I just uh, looked up Dr. Pollock and I'm looking at his website now and um, um, I'm going to, when when we when we hang up, I'm going to give this a real close look because I, I it sounds fascinating. So I want to thank you for for turning me on to that. Um, let's see what's going on. Um, well, as I as I alluded to right before the commercial break, uh, I'm I'm impressed with with the students that are coming through these days. Not only are they um, intelligent, but but they also seem more engaged. In a, in a positive way than when I was a student. When I look back on my undergraduate days, I was engaged, but probably not engaged in the right way. Um, but they are very conscious that there are people out there who didn't have the upbringing that they did. They didn't have all the resources available. And those who want to go into water, and there are many of them, are very interested in saying, well, how can I help people meet their needs for water so that their children aren't going to get dehydrated so that they'll have time to do things. And those are the students. And I want to, I've quoted a couple people, but I want to quote someone who's the most special person in my life these days. And that's, that's my wife, Mary Francis. And I used to come back after a day at school and I'd 
kind of shake my head. We, we sit down after every meal and have tea or after every dinner and have hot tea, and it's a, a time to catch up on the day. And I would say to her, gosh, the students today are really plugged in. They're really engaged. They really want to help people. Where were these students 20 or 30 years ago? That I, I didn't find them then. And finally, she was, I think, getting a little frustrated, and she said to me, you know, Michael, these students have been there all the time. It's just that 30 years ago, you weren't looking for them. And I realized, as usual, she was right, that there have always been students who have been looking um, you know, to try to make the world a better place through whether it's engineering, whether it's water, whether it's biology or medicine. But it's just that 20 or 30 or maybe 30 years ago, my values were different and so I didn't value those students, and I didn't, wasn't interested in what they wanted to do. And she's right. So, mm-hmm. and, and so I'm trying to make the most of the students that, I've, um, that I see these days and um, um, not the ones that I pass by in the, uh, say, 1980s or early 90s because I wasn't interested in these things. So anyway, so I've actually grown and... Um, my students have been a big part of that. So um, anyway, when lots, now when your go- students are they wanting to be, what is the course they're taking when they when they have a student? What's the, what's the name of the course? Well, they're, well, they're taking. Well, I mean, they're taking a number of different courses. I mean, the courses that I specifically teach, I teach of uh, actually the my favorite course is one called Introduction to Water Science and Policy. And, and it's mm-hmm. an undergraduate class. And so what I try to do is teach them a little bit of water science. And then I teach them or introduce them, I should say, to various aspects of water policy, whether it's water quality regulation, ecosystem regulation, um, you know, putting restrictions on pumping water, et cetera. And I try to conflate the two and show how the, you know, the two are related and, um, I teach a regular undergraduate course as well as an honors section, and that's my most enjoyable class because mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting people who come in, and it I don't want to say they're like empty vessels because it uh, I'm I'm not there just to open their heads up and pour stuff in. I'm trying to draw some stuff out as well, some interest mm-hmm. in them, and and some of the students really get excited about this. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's a huge number. Some are in there to well, I got to take this class because my advisor said so. But others, you know, write me mm-hmm. these really fascinating notes at the end of the mm-hmm. term. And, um, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, you've opened my eyes. And, boy, this was like a waterfall and, right. you know, everything. And so I want to study this, but I want to do it, say, from a biological standpoint or right. um, a chemical standpoint or maybe like you looking at evaporation and evapotranspiration. So, the, the the one thing I really love about water is it cuts across many different disciplines and it has many facets. And um, um, so I, I... Can I, I share I, something to think about? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Whenever I've been a speaker, and I'm a, I'm a one-of-a-kind person doing what I do, nobody does what I do all over the world. I know that. And I go in to speak to a group of students, and I use this group all the time, this one group in particular that I just loved. 
I was asked to speak in your state, Upper New York, at a school. Mm-hmm. And I took mm-hmm. the train up there with my husband. I was going to be a guest of the faculty for a student body um, assembly. They were going to be touching into water and, and the earth and the way it lives. And they, she wanted me to come and do it the way she'd heard the way I do it. So they were theater-type seating, not gym-type seating, and I stood on the floor, and I, I didn't want to be on stage, and I said, give me two mics. So they thought it might be very boring for a lot of the kids. <laughs> the faculty came in more than normal. And you could hear a pin drop at the beginning, and you could hear a pin drop. They went 15 minutes longer. You could hear they stood up and cheered, they couldn't study. They, they, we couldn't answer all the questions. And I'll tell you what I think it is. Human species, human life, <laughs> human life forgets. We're walking water like the planet Earth, living with the Earth too. We are. Those symptoms, every, you would not be born from that pocket of water coming into the atmosphere to begin that evaporation process to death without having a percentage of water per organ first. Hopefully, you got your whole percentage. Or you yep. wouldn't be living to, on this planet. You come with symptoms of problems. Because that evaporation of water, not dehydration, that's the death. Yep. That evaporation. And then all of a sudden, they can see how serious, how important the study of water on the planet is with the atmosphere. You've got a body water. You've got an atmosphere of water. You, can't, you couldn't live without it. And then the earth has to live the way you're living. It's, it's water on its surface, its temperatures, and it's organism of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody, even Wall Street that day, goes, oh, my <laughs> gosh, we've got a new technology coming up in water. And the thing about it is, is my thinking is that's how serious this is, and that's why I say, as serious as you are, and as serious as you can spark the kids, the students, who really want to get involved in this mission. Because I hope it becomes the story to the eternity, living with the rhythm of the atmosphere. What is this technology we've got out there, those phones? Without that water in the atmosphere, those phones wouldn't be working. Right. Without that atmosphere, they've got to realize that water is the health of the planet. The whole planet. You've so got it. The solar system. Yeah. But darn it, we'll have to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, you know, I was thinking, it's been a while since I've done this, and I, um, uh, it's been very enjoyable, and I'd forgotten that. So. Well, it's, it, it is fun because we get to talk about our favorite subject. <laughs> I know. I, I guess so. Um, but yeah, we're. I think we're on the we're on the same and page, Sharon. Tell, tell yeah. your brilliant wife to give yeah. me a call and give me some consulting someday too. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah she uh, she's retired now, but um, doing mediation but what did she work. Do? What did and, she do? Well, she she's trained as a librarian, and she was actually a oh, physical sciences physical science and engineering librarian, oh. and for many years worked oh. for of um, Intel. 
Um, oh, wow. She used to be their ma- library manager. I and, call them um, brilliant people. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do, do and, you remember the days when the research couldn't, you didn't have the computer and all that, and you had to go, you, right. depend upon your reference librarian? <laughs> yes. And I t- still tell my students, make use of reference librarians, and they kind of yes. look at me like, really? I said, yes, they get, they get <laughs> paid are to you help. From? <laughs> no, they get, they get paid to, to answer questions. Yeah, and, and they look can't. At the they can't all believe over the world that. that you can't find. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, it's, they're amazing I know. places. I've been, there. I've been there for years and years. I went in there, and they bring them in for twenty-four hours, and they got to where they allowed me to take them home so I could study at home and bring them back that next day. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. I thank you for coming on today. Tell her I said hello. I will, and thank you, Sharon, for having me. It's been delightful. It's been very nice for us, too. Let's do it again. Okay. Have a nice day. You too. Bye. Well, and the world out there is just like Dr. Michael Campana and much more. And those of you who are interested in studying, young students that could be possibly listening worldwide, internationally, think about it. This is exciting study and research and technology. Everything is technology. It's fun. Everything's been invented. It's fun. I want to thank you for listening. I always look at this planet whispering to us not to say goodbye because you're going to leave something of yourself behind. Think about it that way. But we do it for the children of the future. All the children are the priority of all life on this planet. There's no such thing as an imperfect child. Think of it that way. Be patient, be kind, and be peaceful. Thank you for listening. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 